Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free. I'm Jeff. And I'm Brandon, and this is That Does Suit Madam, uh, a podcast about Are You Being Served? So what's new with you this week, Brandon? Anything happening in your life uh, these days? Well, I tell you what. I went down to the old calf, and I had myself a bit, a bit of winkles, those shellfish that you just couldn't keep my hands off. And I developed this funny syndrome. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, one of the last episodes of Are You Being Served? Um, we have the coronavirus COVID-19 worldwide pandemic. So we hope everyone's doing okay. But uh, I've been hanging out in my apartment for almost two weeks. So uh, that's kind of a bummer, and we hope that everyone's doing well. But it does give us some time to be creative uh, with podcasting. What do you think? Yeah. What about you? It's, it's day 12 of the quarantine for me. Well, not actually quarantine because I'm not sick. I'm not showing any symptoms. But day 12 of being uh, under quasi-lockdown here, um, uh, I, I've been – talking to uh, co-workers around the world and like, so what's the situation where you are, where you live? And um, yesterday I had a doctor's appointment in Manhattan and um, the streets there are empty. It was so surreal. Times Square, Rockefeller Center, Port Authority, all empty. But as soon as I got out of the Lincoln Tunnel and back to Jersey, um, the streets here are normal, busy with traffic, cars, buses, pedestrians, you would never – I'm not usually home at 11 o'clock on a Monday morning, but you'd never know that there was a global pandemic going on. Yeah, it's kind of weird, but, you know, um, I don't know. Like we have some time and we can't go out and interact with folks and do what we normally do after a day's work. So um, I don't know. Maybe this will be like the resurgence or like the, the golden year of podcasting where everyone makes a podcast. And But you and I have been talking about be th- doing this for, you know, several months now. For months. Like an Ari Being Served podcast. Yeah. 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 And we actually recorded our first episode uh, like two weeks ago. So before all of this really hit hard here in the States. So um, a lot can happen so you're probably in two gonna weeks. Be- a lot can happen in two weeks. Yeah. By the time you hear this, uh, we're probably going to be maybe even three weeks into this. So anything that we comment about may already be ancient history by now. So, But it's funny to bring it back to Are We Being Served? There are like really cool episodes about like the one I kind of referenced in the beginning. There's one episode, I think it may be the last one or two episodes of the series. Well, the last, the next to last, where Mr. Humphreys develops a mysterious disease. It's called Marine's Disease. You remember that episode? Oh right. right, where he um, he had some winkles, which is a very common form of like a shellfish kind of thing in like the north of England, and he develops this funny thing on his nose, and he starts sneezing, and it's kind of a silly thing, a plot device. But you know, I mean, then there's also the episode, I think, in the same episode where they all had to wear those like pajama onesie things and like antiseptic outfits and go sleep in the basements. Do you remember that one? Oh, there was – right, because there was some kind of outbreak of something. and they, that's I remember that in the padded room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe, maybe the, we'll the all end thing, up like that. 
well, the other thing I was thinking about is that uh, on this show a lot, they reference the Blitz. You know, mm. what was it was like being uh, in England during World War yeah, II. Yeah, totally. Um, because, you know, right now in the situation we're in, the UK is about a week behind the US in terms of the rate of infection. And so a lot of the um, a lot of the arguments from the people there who were opposed to the lockdowns, like, well, you didn't close the pubs during the Blitz and you didn't close the theaters during the Blitz. Well, you can't catch the Blitz. You know? Yeah, it's, it came from the air, not from the people. But yeah, I don't know. So hope- it came from yeah. to to use a uh, to use a term that's not so acceptable these days. It came from the Jerry, uh, right? Which is a very are being served they, kind of thing because they they go into yeah, that a lot. They do use that, but word. hopefully everyone's you know keeping safe. And if you have it, you're doing well. And if you don't have it, you're staying at home and washing your hands and and all of that stuff. So. But you know, gosh, we we we're here to talk about are you are you being served? So let's let's uh, leave the stresses of today behind and enter the wonderful people of uh, Grace Brothers of Grace Brothers. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, so uh, <laughs> we're talking about series one, episode two. Our figures are slipping, which premiered on Wednesday, twenty eighth of March, nineteen seventy three. Uh, that week in the news, uh, the $10,000 pyramid, uh, debuted on CBS. It's one of my favorite all time game shows. And I think sets a lot of archetypes for, uh, a lot of game shows. And today. that was a lot of money back uh, then. Wasn't a car like $2,000 or something? Like $10,000 could, could buy a house in totally. a lot of places That's a lot in the United money. States at that time. That's and a that lot was Dick of money. Clark, right? Um, uh, yes, it was Dick Clark. He was there from the very May beginning. May he rest in peace. Yes. America's, um, uh, teenager. Amer- yep, America's teenager. Gosh, Jeff, what um, was playing in the movie theaters? What was playing in the movie theaters? Well, The Godfather <laughs> just won for Best Picture at the Oscars. Okay. Uh, Noel Coward, who was a famous British gay playwright, uh, had just passed away. Interesting. And um, the, the very last U.S. soldier left Vietnam. Uh, so this was the the end of the uh, the Vietnam War. You know, it's funny. It um, this time. We had some comments from the listeners uh, for the first episode, and one of the big things was we were talking about what happened this week in 1973 or two for the first episode. 73, 73 yeah. Uh, so I guess maybe just a couple months earlier than this one. And um, we talked about, like, there's this John Lennon album coming out and – this or that happened, and one of the huge things we forgot was like the Vietnam War was going on. So, whoops, kind of a big thing. So, well, n- neither of us were alive, so it's well, not like we know. remember it. You neither know, of, and yeah, for, that's true. And for some reason, I always associate the Vietnam War with like more like the end of the '60s rather than the beginning of the '70s, even though it obviously continued well into the '70s. Yeah, it was kind of a I don't know. That's a whole thing, but it's although I now that I think about it, I don't think it actually made an appearance. On the show, like people didn't mention Vietnam, like soldiers or the war, did they? They always talked about World War II, which was sort of like Mrs. Slocum and Mr. Right. Well, the UK wasn't really involved in the Vietnam conflict. Yeah, I guess it wasn't. I mean, it was much more an, in the American zeitgeist, if to use a ten thousand dollar word to you. Uh, so this show ran for about ten series, so probably about ten years. So that would take us to 1983, and the Falkland Islands conflict was in 82. Oh, yeah. And I don't remember them mentioning that in, uh, in the ninth or the last series, them you know, making any kind of Argentine jokes or anything like yeah. that. But you know, we'll get there. Maybe we'll see. Maybe they slipped one in and it went over Maybe, our heads. Maybe, yeah, because um, when I was super into the show, I was kind of a kid at the time. And 
in the 90s, and I probably wouldn't even really known what the Falkland War was. And I think for most Americans, um, you know, I, I, I remember seeing um, Iron Lady and, and all of the great movies and things where you kind of learn about the Falkland War, and uh, Billy Elliot, I think, talks about it a little bit, or maybe that's mm-hmm. something else. But, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe there were a couple of jokes in there that we just didn't notice. But I also wonder maybe, like, in British TV, like, officially the BBC, which is kind of conservative, you know, they're not, mm-hmm. like, risk takers. I, I mean, there are certain outliers. But I don't know. Maybe that's something you just didn't make jokes about, you know, like the Falkland War. I don't know. Yeah. So. Well, I re- remember on Adrian Mole, uh, one of those shows that I referenced in our last episode, um, there was a whole thing about um, uh, the grandmother coming over and searching their house for uh tinned beef from Argentina and like getting throwing it all out, you know, it was, that wasn't really a comedy, um, yeah. but it was a, it was a funny moment. So yeah, I guess it was, I guess in the right light, it was something that could have been referenced. Well, it's going to be way. cool because with yeah. this podcast, we are kind of like diving into the episode and like spending some time and giving some space to kind of think about it. And what were they thinking about here when they wrote this joke and that kind of thing. So maybe right. when we get to, you know, episode 72 or whatever, um, <laughs> depending on how long the coronavirus uh, keeps us home, we might get there right. really quickly. We might get there quicker than we yeah, think. Yeah, so that's funny. So, so, there so you, go. Uh, you want to get into it and talk about it? Yeah, this let's episode? do it. Uh, our figures are yeah. slipping, which I think is a great pun. <laughs> it's a great pun. And I think that, you know, whereas the last episode really introduced us to the characters and kind of set the stage for, um, for the series... This episode really introduces us to many of the jokes and catchphrases and tropes that go along through the series. Um, we have a couple of uh, Mr. Lucas's dog ate my homework type stories about his excuses for being late or for and his why poor he sick dear old mother, crippled, crippled his mother, sick dear deaf mother. Um, I love that. We get we get introduced to Mrs. Slocum's pussy, who is named Tittles. And actually gets named Tittles uh, in this episode, but uh, it's referenced as a male cat. He's going to have to cross his legs. Whether in later episodes, you know, she's gone to be a good girl in the garden. And then one of the most famous episodes where the cat is pregnant and delivers in the... in the department store, in the uh, in the dressing room. Oh my god, I love like the inconsistencies. And are we ter- have we turned into those weird fan people who are like, actually, Captain Picard or <laughs> Captain Kirk never laid eyes on that person until the second season. But in the third season, like we're those people now, right? I'm totally those people. <laughs> like any anyone who knows me knows that just the kind of person I am and kind of like my skill set at work and things like that. I would make a great continuity manager on any set of any TV show. Or anyone on I Reddit. Have, you could just be someone on I, Reddit. Right. Or you could just or be a Twitter Reddit, right. or something. So yeah, so Tittles have, was maybe tri- uh, Tittles was a transgender who transitioned to her true kitty gender, maybe. Or just some writers didn't really care. That's probably what happened. I'm thinking that the writers really yeah. just didn't care. Yeah. Um, so anyway. Um, yeah, so the show starts off. Uh, we've got the cleaners who are uh, working away in the background. Uh, Staff are supposed to report at 9, and the store opens at Mm 9.15. And we're seeing them all sign in, so there's that great bureaucracy. By the way, have you uh, ever worked at a place where you had to sign in? It's so demeaning to, like, literally sign your name or, like, a punch card with the machine that goes, you know, have you done that before? 
I have. So I worked, you know, I worked retail in high school and college. I worked at McDonald's when I was in high school and I worked at Aww. the Gap when I was in college. Did you cinch it? Clock. Did you cinch your belt? Did I cinch it? That's an old did SNL joke. Did I cinch joke. my belt? It is. And I totally cinched my <laughs> belt. Um, I did the little like prep tie thing where you kind of tuck of it in. Of course you did, knot. Mary. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, signing book. I'm so, just, yeah, I'm, so not, we, I'm just not a big fan. Like one of my jobs, um, maybe about ten years ago, like you had to like come in and get your little card, and like it, it's almost like your Homer Simpson going into work, right? You have that little chunk thing, and it's like from the '70s, and I just thought like it's a little weird. I don't know. Like I'm here. Do I have to do this? But again, it's just kind of showing that like the people at Grace Brothers were very old fashioned. Although I guess in the '70s, like people still did that. I don't know. I mean, people still do it I know, today. It's crazy, I, mean, I know, I, I know that um, you know some of my colleagues and other students around the world. They actually do have to clock in, although it's all electronic. Yeah, it's on an app yeah. now, but they do have to clock in and clock. And I out. love that Mike, Captain Peacock, and maybe I don't think it's this episode, but in future episodes, he will read what people sign as their name, and like some of them are like Daffy Duck, and you know, like so. The, a lot of jokes come from the sign-in book. It's sort of like a vehicle that the the writers use a lot. So. Right. Yeah. Th- there's one episode where they have multiple books where they have to sign out whenever they go for their elevenses or their coffee break in the morning. Yeah. When they are going to go, uh, go to the restroom. It's spend a penny. There's a whole spend, spend a, penny. a penny. Yeah. Great, great uh, euphemism there. Um, Did you know they actually had pay toilets in the UK in the seventies? Absolutely. That's where it comes from. I know. From, it's just like yeah, you know, it's crazy. I mean, they still do in most of Europe. You know, it's you know, uh, and in the UK even. Like, in, yeah. Now I that know, you say that, I remember having to like put like twenty five p coin into like a thing to to come. But I think most people just like hopped over it. But yeah, it was very yeah. clean. I'll, I'll give them that. I feel like it's also like a really <laughs> um, inconvenient amount that's not made up of like two coins i think it's like some like weird like combination of three uncommon coins or something like like the american version of like paying 18 cents so you have to have three pennies or something yeah that would be weird something something along those lines so um everyone's uh trickling into the store uh mr lucas is late which is why we get one of his uh dog at my homework type (laughs) stories um but he gets his revenge on captain peacock uh he's you know squashes a bug on his collar uh, Peacock asks him to go get a spare one from the stock and puts it on. Uh, and Rumbled comes in and says, oh, yeah, uh, Peacock's just arrived. He's putting his collar on. <laughs> so I had no idea that you could put a collar as a separate part, that it was detachable, totally. that it wasn't actually part of your shirt. But that is, like, from, like, the 1800s. Like, it's super, super old. Like, yeah. Yeah. They they made it. They had detachable collars so that they could be starched separate from the shirt, so you could have that really crisp uh, lapel. Um, and so it was fastened to the shirt with a stud in the back, something similar to a cufflink. And so that's when uh, he's changing. Captain Peacock is changing his collar. That's what he's doing. I also think like the separate collar. I mean, if you think about like the movie Titanic, which for Americans, like that's kind of like the big movie from like what's taking place in 1912. Like everyone had those kind of collars and it kind of read to me like they're upper crust people. So I wonder if 
Well, very, everyone who would travel on that Titanic, because I don't think that like working. No, like, the, but I'm thinking also thinking like the, they would wear like tuxedos and like if you right. think if you would dress for dinner. Yeah, and and if you think of like Bugs Bunny or something, which again, how I learned about the upper Bugs Bunny, not a person. Well, didn't we learn from the last episode, Minnie Mouse, not a person? But not anyway. a, well, okay, in my mind, there. But you know, but like there, there are episodes in like in the culture where like you see people with like tuxedos like he's i think bugs bunny's gonna like conducting an orchestra or something okay right and he like gets angry or something and like the collar goes out so for me for captain peacock because he is the epitome of um uh, somebody detached house with a new color television set in the drawing room you know like he's always like talking about how rich he is and how classy he is so i think maybe that's also maybe a class thing back then you know like possibly i, don't I mean i don't you think know, he, mr he, lucas he would does have make a sure detached collar he does make sure to wear his carnation that he's entitled to in his uh, buttonhole of his jacket. It's all about the little things with uh, Captain Peacock and Mrs. Slocum, yeah. too. So. Yeah, and uh, st- speaking of Mrs. Slocum, uh, she starts complaining to Rumbled about the state of her drawers. So we get a great innuendo <laughs> there because the, you know, the drawers that she actually stores her, um, her clothes mer- in yeah. are, but- are, are merchandise. Thank you. They're sticking in the damp weather. <laughs> And so we get a whole slew of innuendos Poor that rumble that go completely over Rumble's head, right? Um, and probably uh, the, they could use some, probably went over the the censors at the BBC's heads as well. No, I'm sure they <laughs> caught very you know onto that. This was not the first uh, show to use uh, body humor uh, in uh, in 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 British television history. So I don't think that much, you know, went by the uh, So listeners, head. if you've ever had your drawers get sticky in damp weather, let us know, will you? Yes. Or if you've <laughs> ever had anyone puff French chalk over them, um, so, that could be also interesting. Yeah, but, but be nice about it. Um, so one of the things <laughs> I love about this episode is the star of the show by far is Mr. Humphreys, and I will I will fight you on that if you don't agree. Um, but was this the first episode where we saw the Humphreys walk or was that in the first episode? I think this might be it. It was, it was, we got to see that the way that he just minces and takes the long way around the counter, uh, around to see someone. And it always, always gets a laugh just because it's so exaggerated. You know, it's not the standard trope of, you know, someone with a limp wrist or whatever. Oh, microphone is, uh. You were moving here. your wrist too uh, much. That's what happened. I was moving my. I was <laughs> exaggerating with my wrist Calm and knocked down, right into the Jeff. microphone. It's just a podcast. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's a funny, funny mincing walk that we get. And yeah. uh, again, one of the things that we're introduced to that really set um, set him up as the star of the show. Totally, yeah. Um, and Mr. Lucas, um, we kind of learned a little bit more about him as a person and how he interacts with people of the opposite sex. Um, let me see. This is where he asked Miss Brahms out for the date, but he never actually got to ask her on a date in the first episode, Dear Sexy Knickers, because a whole interesting interlude occurred, doesn't it? Right, because he ended up going out with uh, Mrs. Slocum instead. <laughs> so... Um... So yeah, we do get uh, we do get to see them start to flirt a little bit. And earlier in the season, there does seem to be a mutual interest. But as the series goes on, they become adversaries, you know. And there's no way that she's ever going to go out with him again, yeah. even if she's at her hungriest. I wonder if like the writers initially thought that they'd be like a love interest, and that would be 
kind of a thing for the viewers? Because I know, like, with especially, um, I'm thinking of like Three's a Com- Three's Company and all of those shows, which are kind of contemporaries, I guess, maybe a little later. But there's always this stupid thing about a comedy where you have to have a love interest, you know? And I'm like, just some kind of love triangle. Yeah, and like, I don't care. I'm not here to like read a Fabio novel. I just want a funny show with jokes, but a Fabio novel, you know, those dime store drugstore novels, you know what I mean? But yeah, I wonder if they're like, maybe we'll get like some ratings with this. And then they're like, no, it's actually funnier if they hate each other. So. Right. Well, that definitely ended up happening because it is much funnier for <laughs> them to, to hate each other rather than, I mean, could you imagine if Mrs. Slocum ended up marrying Mr. Lucas instead of Mr. Metaxas? We wouldn't have that entire episode. That would just not no. And I love that like she had an American uncle, and clearly it was like out of nowhere. And, he, and he's wearing like a ten gallon hat. Yeah, and he's like, "Well, little darling, I really do like your." And he's like such an English person trying to be American, but anyway, he, he tried. He he tried so hard to <laughs> nail the accent, and I feel like there's one word that he just like didn't get right. It was like. I think he, it was something like secretary, secretary. or yeah, exactly. exactly. I think it was. This, yeah. it was. The emphasis was on the wrong syllable and just <laughs> give you away. Sorry. Mm. Sorry there. Yeah. But um, also Dallas so was anyway, a big thing. So maybe they were just like loving Dallas. Yeah. There might have right. been like this obsession. And that's also kind of the, you know, what is this stereotype of what Americans are? It's that Texan, um, you know, big hat. Big car cowboy, driving a hundred miles draw. to work. Right. Big house. Yeah. Lots of food. So, anyway, Rumbold comes out and announces that there's a slump in sales, and they're going to have an after-hours meeting to um, come up with some ideas about how they can improve it. And so this is one of the first after-hours meetings that they have in the store. They all complain. Uh, Mrs. Slocum is concerned about tittles, and she lets out the great line, there's my pussy to consider. Who's going to let it out? Uh, You know, because tittles has to go be a good boy in the garden. Um, and they're going to be late, so that poor Mister Tittles has to cross his legs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is such a cute thing to picture a little little cat. Such doing. a cute, <laughs> right? Poor Tittles. Um, um, Captain Peacock thinks that you know he asks to be excused because he's got two tickets to the Tidworth tattoo, and I had no idea what this was. What the hell is that? Do so you know? apparently, a tattoo is a military music performance, kind of like a marching band. Okay. Um, and it comes from the Dutch word tap to, uh, which is the sound that instructed innkeepers to turn off their beer taps so all the soldiers would return to the barracks. And so that's where we get the word taps from, like the bugle Whoa. song that ends the day. That right? is – oh, my God. And just like a tap from like the beer taps? Whoa. Okay. Yeah, it's tap two, like close the taps. So the, uh, the world close makes the more taps. sense now thanks to our being served. Who knew? There you go. Wow. If this was a video cast, we'd put in a little graphic of the more you know with the a shooting more star. You know. um, so also, Mr. Lucas, we, we learn where he lives, and he lives in Highgate, which is, if you're familiar with London, it's pretty posh. Um, but you're like super London expert. Like, is that – I've never actually been to Highgate. Why does Mr. Lucas live I, there? I've never been to Highgate either, um, and that's uh, – I just know that it is a, a posh area, you know, the just from – being there, I'm in London, you know, several times a year for work, uh, and so you hear either stories on the news or you in the newspaper, or just picking up uh, advertisements of where certain like restaurants and hotels and things are. 
So for our American friends who don't know where that is, uh, it's about 22 minutes on the tube uh, to Charing Cross, which is one of the most central train stations that's generally used as a central measuring point. Um, kind of like, as in New York, we'd say from Columbus Circle is our geographic okay. center. Yeah. Um, so it's on the northern line. Uh, as the crow flies, it's just under five miles. So if we're measuring from Columbus Circle, uh, that's as far as Battery Park, Jackson Heights, or the Meadowlands, being very New York centric. Okay, so uh, to give you an idea about how far away. Yeah, that so is. it's um, so he had he had a commute essentially. Um, he had a little bit of a yeah, commute. Yeah, I mean, I it's kind of my commute really, and you know, it's doable. But like, there's no way I could live where I work, and I think like I I kind of fit the socioeconomic you know, level of the folks at Grace Brothers, you know, so that's not too bad. At least it's not like, you know, an hour and a half, which some people do, so. Well, you, you, you hear a lot of the stories that they have about their commutes, especially when there's bad weather and when the, there's a strike or whatever. It sounds like a lot more of them live further out. You know, Miss Brahms clearly lives in Docklands <laughs> all the way in the east, yeah. and this is before the Docklands Light Railway came oh, okay. in. Okay. So, you know, who knows how she even got... To work that was probably a bus to um the jubilee line wasn't even built then you know so she was probably on the uh the metropolitan line if i ever have to, to go to where, jeopardy and there's a call a friend and like which which tube station would mrs brahms been miss <laughs> brahms have been on i'd be like i'm calling jeff um well jeopardy doesn't have a have call oh, a friend first right. of all uh, you're on the wrong uh, show it's all in my head um, so this is a really cool episode. Um, there's there's something about Mr. Humphreys where he's talking about like he needs to make some food. I don't remember what he cooks though. Um, is he he's on the phone with his mom with his mother? No, I think I think he's giving is he giving instructions to Mr. Granger to tell his wife how to keep the um, pork pie warm because he's going to be late. Oh he's yes, go that sounds after, like something he would do after work meeting. He's so kind yeah. and thoughtful. Um, what is yeah. interesting, I always wonder, like, turn it down to regular two or um, turn the regular down a quarter. And over there, uh, I, when I, I was in the UK a little bit, and I learned that regular is the name, correct me if I'm wrong, it's the name of the oven company that was super, super right. popular. And regular two, it's like the second mark on the dial. And so when people would have recipes... Because everyone in Britain would have the Regulo brand. It's almost like instead of having a speedometer on your Toyota, it would be like Toyota Speed 4. And you knew what speed that was because everyone had a Toyota right. or something, which is kind of weird right. as a so kid. So rather, you know? rather than Fahrenheit or Celsius, it was just Gas Mark 4 or, or Regulo 4 or whatever. Yeah, Which is such a cute little slice of life like that 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 just doesn't happen anymore but i also i learned that right. um because gas shortages or um or like electric power would not be so reliable in the countrysides you would also have to, you'd often have gas and electric um because that they would just stop can you imagine like and this is like actually in the 60s even like when that would happen um, so you'd have both a gas cooker and an electric cooker? I think so. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to remember, like, the logic of that. But, like, I remember being told, like, even to the 70s, it was kind of like you really couldn't count on one or the other. So you kind of had to have both. And back – Well, that makes a little bit of sense, I yeah, guess. Yeah, and, like, where I'm from, like, have, in yeah. the countryside, like, in Arkansas, like, there'd be people who would have natural gas tanks because there's just no service because it's so remote. So, yeah, you, you know, it's, it's – um, 
I guess that kind of explains why gas was such a big thing. But then I don't know. It's it's different. It's a different country. Yeah, that's yeah, true. That's kind of why we like the show so much a little bit. Right. Pointing out those just little quirks that set us apart. Even though, and also remember, this show is almost 50 years old. Totally. So so this is also one of my favorite parts of the episode is um, the rather risque adult poem that Captain Peacock uh, recites to us. And I will say, like, I think it's so cute and clever and dated that I actually memorize this by heart and I can recite it. Um, looking away from you so you you can see that I actually know it. But it's really kind of nasty and very chauvinist. So uh, it's one of those things in, in, in this in this podcast. It's the year 2020, and we're all, like, proud feminists and all of that. But there's, it's, it's cute. This would not fly today. No, but it's, it's – That's true. Uh, it's, it's not NC-17. No. I don't even think it's R-rated. I think it's like a, a, a heavy it's insensitive PG-13. and kind of rude. Yeah. Shall I? So you want to – so shall we go <laughs> shall right Um <clears throat> So I don't remember why he was doing this in the episode, but he was just like – it was kind of a, an, a way for Frank Thornton to kind of show off like I can do my stuff. I can act pretty well. You think? So, the, 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 so before you go into reciting mm. it, the, the way it comes up is – um, Miss Brahms doesn't know what a tattoo is either. She thinks it's you know what you get ink on your chest. Oh, okay. And, Going back to what he was doing tonight. Pe- okay, gotcha. right. And Captain Peacock goes, "Oh, that reminds me of a bit of doggerel I picked <laughs> doggerel. up in the mess. <laughs> you know, a, a body yeah. poem or a limerick that he picked up when he was in the services, when he was you know in the catering corps or the naffy." So the limerick goes a little something like so this. So I'll, I'll also have to explain that I had to look it up. One of the, I remember the, one of the first things I ever did when I got the internet, the capital T, capital I, internet, was I looked up this poem because I always wanted to know what it was. And one of the lines is a town called Sale, which doesn't make sense unless you're from Britain, I guess. The town is spelled S like Sam, A L E like bill of sale. So like, it just didn't make sense. Like growing up as a kid, like I'd also I would always hear um, things being said on the show that I wouldn't understand or no context whatsoever. Like regulo two, what does what the hell does that mean? Maybe regulo. I remember the first. Yeah, so like things like the, sale, like I probably thought I misheard it, but no, it's just a weird word. What were you gonna say? I remember the first time that I heard this, I was like, well, why isn't it whale? Yeah, that makes sense. Why don't they it? go for the obvious rhyme? Yeah. Even though it's not a true rhyme. But so it's probably like. That seems like it would be the, the, the most obvious one to go with. It seems like but it's but original, anyway. a real traditional kind of thing. I kind of want to like research this poem a bit more and figure out what it's from. But I love that you keep calling it a poem because you're trying to class it up because it's Captain Peacock's line. Am I doing that? Okay, you're welcome, Captain Peacock. Um, so here it goes. So uh, apologies to the ladies in the audience. Uh, remember, we're looking at this as a historical artifact. Um, so here we go. On the chest of a barmaid from Sale were tattooed all the prices of ale. Whilst on her behind... For the sake of the blind, was exactly the same, but in Braille. Well done. So bad, but so cute, but bad. So I feel like I can't com- I can't compliment it without like sandwich- sandwiching it between like oh it's bad you know. But anyway, <laughs> so this is like the famous episode for me. 
Yeah. So. Um, well, on another uh, British show that's been celebrated here in the States, The Crown, uh, an episode that aired last November, there was also a memorable scene uh, with limericks. Uh, President Lyndon B. Johnson had invited uh, Princess Margaret, who is Queen Elizabeth II's sister, um, which this really happened know, and it was recreated crazy. for The Crown. Um, so Princess Margaret was played by Helena Bonham Carter, and uh, she was kind of known as a party girl, and the president, her traded limericks. <laughs> and so there were two that um, that Helena Bonham Carter recited. I'm going to go for the more tame one. Probably a good idea. Encourage, we don't want to throw the people en- off. Right. Encourage everyone else to look it up <laughs> and watch the second one because it it is hysterical. Okay. Do you need uh, to preface it and apologize in advance and stuff? I think you've already done enough of the <laughs> uh, apologies and- for me. So, um, so this is Helena Bonham Carter as Princess Margaret. Uh, there was a young woman from Delaware who liked to make love in her underwear. A terrible prude. She'll never go nude. And her bum, hips, and tits she'll never bear. <laughs> These are so cute. But colorful. How about that? Colorful. Colorful is the neutral way to put it, right? Do we want to do the other one, or, um, or do we think we've polluted the airwaves too much already? You know what? Let's let everyone else look it up and find out for themselves. We'll, we'll say the other limerick well, goes, the beginning goes, there was a young lady from Dallas, and that's all we'll say. Yeah. So you can Google that phrase, we'll I'm sure. There you are. Um, so Mrs. Slocum <laughs> dismisses Captain Peacock with a very neutral, will that be all? Uh, and meanwhile, you see Wendy Richards cracking up in the background. Uh, you know, that's definitely not Miss Brahms's character reacting to the naughty limerick. <laughs> that's her breaking because I love that. Of, I love when they uh, that. of Mrs. Slocum's just very neutral reaction to uh, Captain. But Peacock neutral, but it, she's definitely trying to show that she is above him, that he is not above her, so that she can turn on the. On the blue blood when she needs it, don't you think? When she wants yeah, to, she, absolutely. She often doesn't. If she's drunk or out, you know, drinking at the bar. And where exactly is with that? With Mrs. Axelby. Mrs. Axelby. But yeah, when it, that's kind of the a, a running thing with with her and uh, the captain. Um, who is higher up the social ladder? Um, and they both believe they are, and probably neither of them are very high at all. But within that funny little you know, gentlemen and ladies department, that's all they have, which is kind of where the fun comes in, I think. But right. Yeah. Will that be all? I can just picture her saying that with her like eyes kind of like fluttering a little bit and her eyebrows a little bit perched up on her forehead. Yeah. So good. So the, the day ends up, the day winds up and we start to see people, they're setting up the table for the after work conference. Um, the the company very generously provided uh, some snacks for this, some <laughs> hot cocoa and buns from the uh, company canteen, which is the word they use for cafeteria. Yeah. Uh, and Mrs. Slocum turns it down. You know, if I'd have known, I'd have gone out and had a wimpy cheeseburger. Wimpy cheeseburger. Oh my god! And so you're you're a fan of the wimpy burgers. You know, I've never actually correctly. had one. So I, I remember what wimpy was from this show when I was a kid. And wimpy. It was bigger in the 70s and 80s. I think it's kind of gone downhill a little bit because McDonald's has entered the UK. But it's just a funny little British, like, hamburger chain. And 
I just I love the way she says Wimpy Cheeseburger. Like she was right. so almost she proud that, of that it. class. To yeah, it, yeah, but it's this little like divey, greasy spoon. But can you imagine like having um, a meeting and like management? Maybe this is just places I've worked, but management like we're sorry we're keeping you here. Have some free food. Like I don't know that does does that happen anymore? Uh, that totally. You think so? Okay. Yeah, that, no, that our totally friends at happens. Google can attest and stuff. I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've only I've had I've I've eaten at a Wimpy's cheeseburger place in um, South Africa, and it was fine. <laughs> uh, it kind of reminded me of a Johnny Rockets actually. Okay, um, without the uh, the dancing and the fifties music and everything. Well, what's the point? Is um, what I say. Right. <laughs> I I did I did walk into one. Uh, in London last year, and it was like a greasy little diner. It was not like a a, 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 a restaurant. But you think type, about like you know? the early seventies. I imagine. I mean, I'm not an expert by far, but I imagine that having something like that was probably seen as kind of like modern. I mean, I even think of the seventies in the states, like. To go out to have a McDonald's, like that was probably kind of like people didn't. It was, it was didn't very do modern. That. Yeah. Like like now, you go to McDonald's, you don't even think about it. It's kind of considered like, ugh, McDonald's. But back then, it was maybe kind of a lot more fun. I don't know. Yeah. Everyone not having to cook all the time. So. Yeah. yeah so where are we in the episode? So we're we're at the conference, and uh, during the conference, they try and reenact the sales process to see what they can learn. <laughs> you know, to see if there's anything that they can do about better about. Miss uh, Captain Peacock capturing the customer and he gives this whole analogy about it being like a, a war and they're the enemy and he <laughs> sends yeah. the fighters in. Um, but um, in the middle of their reenactment, young Mr. Grace visits for the end of the day to see how the uh, conference is going. And he says, well, you've all done very well. It's time for you to go home. And uh, Mr. Lucas hands him back his uh, Vicuna coat um, I had no idea what Vicuna mm. was, um, but it is an animal that is a relative of the llama and the alpaca. And in, back in the Incan Empire, only royalty wore Vicuna. So it's a really, really uh, expensive oh, material. Oh, is it that kind of like um, that light tan coat that you see like Wall Street guys wearing a lot? Exactly. Oh, okay. Right? So that's what that's called. Okay. All right. Yeah, so so today you could get a Ralph Lauren Vicuna coat for around two hundred and fifty bucks, um, or you could get one from Saks Fifth Avenue for about five hundred bucks. Ching. But Italian designers could easily charge like five thousand dollars for one. Yeah, that's which um, is insane. That's that's and young Mister Grace money right there. <laughs> that is right. That's and sadly, I am not one of his secretaries. Yeah. No. Um. So Mr. young Mr. Grace, being the confused old man that he is, thinks that he's buying the coat, that Mr. Lucas is being an aggressive salesman and selling him the wares. And uh, we see Rumbold chalking that up to Lucas smiling more, and he makes, um, <laughs> uh, he makes a note that he's got to go try it himself. Um, uh, we, see, we see Mr. Lucas score a date with Miss Brown as they finally go to see the unsatisfied virgin. <laughs> She's like, yeah, all right, I'll go with you. And so Rumble's like, oh, I've got to try that myself. And he has, right before the end card, he gives this really, really pained smile, looking a bit like Wallace from Wallace and Gromit. Totally, totally. And then we see the, we hear the end chimes and then the end credits go. Oh, the end of another good episode. Wallace and Gromit is a whole other thing, but like it's kind of like old-fashioned humor, I think, which kind of is 
related a little bit to uh, our being served, but yeah, yeah, we we did learn a lot about the the characters this time, um, and we need to get a ding bell. <clears throat> we need to get a ding bell whenever we hear a, a a catchphrase. So maybe next next episode we'll get one of those for you guys. Put in post. Put in. We'll put it. Well, I don't know. I like having live. I don't know. <laughs> um, so next week, next week is camping in. Uh, which is one of many episodes where they end up having to sleep over in the store. Because that happens when you have to sleep at your work all the time, right? I mean, at least once a month for me. Right? (laughs) So cute. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. And then, like, I think it's kind of a really cool exhibit for Mr. Humphreys to show, like, his flamboyant, like, proto-gay kind of side because of, like, fabulous outfit he wears. And I don't know. I see everything from already being served through a lens of Mr. Humphreys, but... Um, yeah, it's a good episode. These are all great episodes. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we want to hear from you, you know, tell us what you want to hear us talk about on this podcast. Yeah. And we, we um, would also love to hear like, when did you first get into the show? Are you being served? Um, who was your favorite character? Um, what were some of the things you didn't understand? Because there are a hell of a lot of things that, that Jeff and I are still kind of figuring out as you can tell <laughs> on the podcast. So Jeff, if they wanted to get in contact with us, um, how did they do that? So you can email us at that does suit madam with an E at gmail.com or we're also on Twitter at does suit madam. Fantastic. Okay. Well, that's another episode of, uh, Oh, that does suit madam. So thanks for listening and catch us out next time. Okay. See you later. We'll see you next time. Bye. Oh, that does suit madam is not endorsed by the BBC and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are you being served as copyrighted program of the BBC British Broadcasting Corporation? Price is slightly higher west of the Mississippi.